Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. The third chapter of Philippians. I want to, to sort of continue on the theme that we started this morning in thinking about closing out a year and the beginning of another year. And I have titled this message, Christian Resolve. Christian Resolve. What resolutions are you really making? Now I'm going to read from the Living Bible this evening. I just never read from the pulpit and anything else but King James, almost never, I should say. But as I read the King James, I thought I've got to read from the Living Bible tonight to, to make good sense out of it. We're going to look at the first 14 verses. And we'll do the same thing we did this morning. Uh, I'll call your attention to verses. Close your Bibles open and look, look at the verses as, as we get to them. This morning I called your attention to to the need to look back over 1986. Reflect on what has been accomplished, what the problems were, what the good things were, and all of us have had both good and bad this past year. I'll guarantee you 1986 was not the best year I ever had. 1986 has been a very devastating year for me, and particularly with the, the problems of my daughter and her cancer, which came this year, and uh, other things that have happened, mostly sickness. It seems like this is one of the most devastating things that ever, ever happens to us, is somebody becoming very ill. And, and I'm going to be going into 1987 with the problems of that. You've had yours. But it all hasn't been bad. There have been some tremendous things that have taken place. We have witnessed a few of those tremendous things, one just this morning. There have been some good things in our personal lives. Some of those things that are happy and, and marvelous. And so we've had a mixture of good and bad. But as we pause now to think forward into 1987, what are your reactions toward what might happen? And the first thing that comes to mind, and I even wrote it in my notes, and I thought that's ridiculous. I ought not say that first, but I'm going to, since I wrote it first. What are your fears for 87? I should have said, what are the good anticipations that you're going to have? And so I wrote that down in my side notes. A little bit later, I prepared my notes. We should not always be looking upon what is fearful and what we ought to be afraid of that is coming, but we ought to be looking upon the, the anticipations, the good things that, that are to come. But uh, our fears, as I said this morning, it's very likely that somebody in that congregation this morning and maybe even here tonight will not be here a year from now. We're going to be facing, all of us face it daily. There is no guarantee that any of us 
we'll be here next year because the Lord may see fit to take us home or we may see fit to put ourselves in a condition that, that uh, will end our lives. There's going to be tragedies, folks, and we know that. In this congregation, we as a group are going to face some tragedies this next year. It ought to affect us as a group because we are a family. And as Diane commented about family, we become a family of God. I like to think of every one of you as a sister or a brother. And I hope you can do the same. And when we have something that affects one of us, it affects us all. And if you have a tragedy in your life this coming year, be assured of one thing that this pastor and this church will love you and support you and assist you in that tragedy. I hope this church can say that and we will say it. But what about the good things? What anticipations do you have? What expectations? are you looking for in your own life but also in this church you've reflected on some of those already this evening the testimonies you've given you want this church full you want to see people saved it ought to be a resolution that you make as an individual and that we make as a church that we will do our best to see those things come about But in the first verse of that third chapter, remember I'm going to read from the, the Living Bible. Notice the words that are somewhat different that you're going to find in the King James, but carry the meaning and make it, I think, more clear in our modern day language. Come what may, now this is not, let me say a thing or two before I read it. Come what may, whether it's good or bad, he says then, here's the words. Whatever happens, dear friends, be glad in the Lord. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, be glad in the Lord. I think I would have written it slightly different, but Paul didn't do it that way, so we'll take his writing for it. But, I, but the thing that he is indicating and the connotation he's making we, even in our moments of despair, in distress, in tragedy, can be glad that we have the Lord. That we can be glad of. I would like to think of the Lord in some one of the terms as a, a refuge. Charles Wesley, you remember at least a name, great Methodist preacher years gone by, was looking out his study window one day and he saw a hawk after a little bird. His window was open. The hawk was about to catch the bird and the bird flew in the window and nestled against Charles Wesley's breast. 
And out of that experience, Charles Wesley wrote the hymn, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. Did you know why he wrote that hymn? Almost every hymn has a story behind it as to why the author wrote it. Come what may, let me to thy bosom fly. In the next two or three verses, four, Paul gives us a description of some things that deals with, with living as a Christian. He starts out in the, third, in the second verse by saying, watch out for wicked men. It's not quite those words in the King James, but that's what it means. He calls them dangerous dogs. He said, they say you must be circumcised to be saved, for it isn't the cutting of the body that makes us children of God. It is the worship of him with our spirits. I'm not going to comment on a lot of this, but I've got to read it so you can get the idea of the next verse I want to talk about. We Christians glory in what Jesus Christ has done for us and realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. If anyone ever had reason to hope that he could save himself, it would be I. If others could be saved by what they are, certainly I could. For I went through the Jewish initiation ceremony when I was eight days old, having been born into the pure-blooded Jewish home that was a branch of the old original Benjamin family. So I was a real Jew if there ever was one. What more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strict obedience to uh, every Jewish law and custom and sincere, yes, so much so that I greatly persecuted the church and I tried to obey every Jewish rule and regulation right down to the very last point. Now, I read that to give you background to understand why he says seventh, the seventh verse. Now, to summarize it, he is saying that he had done everything that it was possible to do if anybody could be saved by what he was, it certainly was Paul. But he said, we know that we are not saved by that which we do. We are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Saved by grace. Now, he says in the seventh verse, all of these things, all that I have been, all of, of my birthright and my training and my sincerity and all the other things, all those things I once thought were worthwhile. And now I throw them all away so that I can put my trust and my hope in Christ alone. He's talking about a set of values. What would you and I give up to have Jesus Christ? Paul said, I will give up everything my family, my education, my training, my position, all that I have, I would gladly give up. They are no longer worthwhile. I throw them all away in order that I might have Jesus Christ. That's dedication. And it's that kind of dedication that is expected of us as Christians. It's that kind of dedication that will cause revival. 
The problem is that most of us have our sets of values somewhat warped from Paul's in that we find physical things of more value than spiritual. We find our home and our automobile and our job and all the clothing and possessions to be of more value, more importance than church. We find the physical things of life of more value than spiritual. I'm sure many of you will realize this if you don't do it. Many people read more fiction books when they would ever think about reading the Bible. Where is our sense of value? Not that we ought not read fiction. I think it's good, and I read fiction. There are certain uh, things that, that I enjoy a lot, and I would, would encourage uh, everyone to, to read all kinds of things. I think it ought to be the right kind of fiction, not those things that are hidden behind the screens in some of the bookstores. But we ought to have our values to the place that God's word is important to us and we'll read it there's a hymn that says I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold well, I don't remember all the words to it now I'd rather have Jesus than anything and this is Paul's philosophy this is his outlook on life now look at verse 9 Well, let me, let me read, let me read verse 8 to get into verse 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have put aside all else, counting it worth less than nothing in order that I might have Christ and become one with him. No longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws, but by trusting Jesus to save me. One with him are three words in that ninth verse, to become one with him. The rich young ruler came to Jesus on one occasion. He said, good master, what must I do to be saved? Now the Lord knew his heart and knew his condition, and he said uh, uh, to him, you ought to keep all the commandments. And he said, I've done all that, but I still lack something. And the Lord said, well, go and sell all you have. Give it away to the poor and then come follow me. And it pointed out very quickly that this man did not want to become one with Jesus Christ. He had something that would keep him from becoming a part of Jesus Christ. There ought not be any difference in the relationship of a Christian to Christ than there is between a husband and wife. There's the parallel in the scripture that points us out. As husbands and wives become one flesh in marriage, so a Christian and Jesus Christ become one in God. It's when we have strained relationships between husbands and wives that we have the difficulties that finally end up in divorce. It's when there are difficulties between the Christian and his Lord that there becomes the strained relationship that keeps people from coming to God's house. They're not one with the Lord. Now let's go to verse 10. 
says, now I have given up everything else. I have found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him to life again. Oh, listen to those words. It's the only way, he says, to experience the mighty power of God that brought Jesus Christ to life again. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Can I say that? Can you say that? There is a power present in the life of a Christian. A mighty power just waiting to burst out. And the only thing that keeps it from coming forth and causing great things to happen in this world is that we do not live one with the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, there was a power present in the hearts and lives of those disciples and the Holy Spirit came down and filled them and they went out of that building and they went out on the streets and they preached Jesus Christ and 3,000 souls were saved in one day. When the disciples of Jesus Christ today will allow that power that is within them, the Holy Spirit to come forth, there will be souls saved today. Well, let me conclude with verse 13. I have to read verse 12 to get to 13. I don't mean to say that I am perfect. I haven't learned all that I should yet but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wanted me to be. Well, I can't pass that verse up. What did he say? I keep working toward the day that I will finally be all that Christ wants me to be. Is that your resolve and my resolve as we face 1987? to work toward the day that we will be all that the Lord wants us to be. What did he save you for? Well, you could answer, he saved me in order that I could go to heaven. Well, that's fine, but you're not there yet. What did he save you for now? What is your purpose here upon earth? You've got a purpose. I've said this before, and I'll say it I know many, many times yet, as long as I'm preaching here or anywhere. The Lord has a purpose for you. The problem is, do you know what it is? Are you working toward the day that you will finally be all that the Lord wants you to be? All right, verse 13. No, dear brothers, I am still not all that I should be. 
but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to that which lies ahead. This is the very essence of the message tonight and what was said already. We must start from where we are. Forget the past. Forget the past accomplishments. We cannot rest on our laurels. Forget our trials, our problems. We've had our problems. Let's put them aside. Let's don't dwell upon them. Let's forget the past and let's reach forward into 1987. Looking forward. Now, he talks about straining to reach the end of the race. You find it in other words there in the King James. Press toward. It's talking about persevering. It's talking about having a high aim. It's talking about doing that which a person in a foot race would do when he sees the ribbon stretched across the road in front of him and he strains with every ounce of his energy to, to reach the goal. This is the kind of thing that Paul's talking about. And we as Christian people need to put our energies and our efforts into serving the Lord in such a manner that we could be described as a person in a race with every ounce of our energy doing what we can do to bring about the cause of Christ in this world. Now what do you want out of your Christian life? When you get to heaven, you stand in the judgment. There are seven judgments. Someday I'm going to preach about the seven judgments. But this one judgment that you and I will be standing in and we're told that we're going to be rewarded for our good works here upon earth. What reward do you want? What do you want? You'll be satisfied with a cottage as the hymn goes. You know what I think I want? For my reward for what I have done, however little or however great it might be, I just simply want to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I will be as satisfied as my little puppy when I pat him on the head. He has received his reward. Can he reach down and say to you and to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Or will you find it difficult to stand there because you're fearful as to whether or not he's going to say those words? Because you're not sure it's been well done or done at all. I think our resolve as a church and as individual Christians ought to be to start where we are. Let's get things right with the Lord between myself and the Lord, yourself and the Lord. And let's look forward to an 87 in which the Lord's will is accomplished in this church, 
in your life and mine. And when we have done that, we'll see the revival. And when we have done that, when we can hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.